Let us this morning ask the Lord to bless the preaching of his word and our understanding of it. Let us pray. O God, our Father, we humbly come before you and request that in your abundant mercy that you would truly illuminate your word to us. May we understand your word today that we may see where we should repent, where we should pray, and where we should take action. In your blessed Son's name, Jesus. Amen. People of God, and this is not a rhetorical question. How about this? Children, what is this? Speak it out. Tell me now. This is the Bible. This is God's Word. Here today, we are studying God's Word. You know, we spent a great deal of time this summer and early fall talking about the fruit of the Spirit and allowing God's Word to define what it means to be a Christian, what those fruits should be, how they should be developed. But we talked a lot about definitions. We need to recognize that God's Word addresses our cultural issues, the issues in our families and in our churches. On this very Sunday, Across Canada and across many churches in the United States, pastors are addressing what God's Word says about culture and biblical sexuality. Why this particular Sunday? Well, in Canada they passed, and some of you I know have heard of this, this legislation called C4. This week went into a, this past week, this legislation went into effect. Essentially, this C4 legislation targets anyone whose practice, service, or advertising promotes biblical sexuality as normative or preferred. And of course, I would argue we're not talking about is it preferred, it is normative because this is what God's Word has prescribed. The church needs to have courage. We need to read God's Word and believe it. Parents, some of you might be slightly uncomfortable today. Some of you elderly may be slightly uncomfortable today. But I have always encouraged, and many of you know I have a lot of children, when you come to the passages of Scripture that are dealing with subjects like eunuchs or other things that address stuff that just makes us uncomfortable, you read it, you address it, you answer their questions carefully and with wisdom and thought. Today we will read God's Word and I suspect there will be some questions. Don't shy away. Don't have to shine the light on every detail, but have courage to trust God's Word being sown in your life and in the lives of your children. You know, this passage of this legislation, we say, oh, it's those socialists, it's those God-haters up in Canada that are passing legislation such as this where it has become not only something we don't want you to do, but they can actually 
for a person, a pastor, a counselor, or anyone who speaks about conversion therapy or changing your gender, speaks against changing your gender, speaks against homosexuality, speaks against anything that would change who that person thinks they want to be, self-defining, being gods for themselves, they can go to prison for five years. And if you, in fact, are in your church and you tell someone, go speak to the pastor about this, you too can go to jail for two years because you were advertising and promoting it. And you say, this is ridiculous. How can those people do that? But you know, in the United States, there are 18 states that have laws on the books stopping, in some manner or fashion, these very same thoughts and ideas. As a matter of fact, not only are there 18 states that have put laws in effect, the very state in which we live and attend church, Maryland is one of them. Because those that are promoting this idea of being your own God, defining yourself, behaving any way you want to be because you are little gods, they are at work. They are being diligent in their hatred towards God and His truth. But they're slick. You see, even today in Canada, it's now illegal for an adult who thinks that they want to get help to get help. But it didn't start that way, and that's not how it has started here. In Maryland, how did they do it? We must protect the children. This is why I say, read God's Word to your children. Confront what's in God's Word with your children. Because the world is trying to protect children. They are taking action to protect minors. It starts that way because everyone says, oh, protect the children. We must protect the children. And I'm all for protecting children, but we need to do it in light of God's word. One of the groups or agencies that's out there working very hard right now to promote anti-biblical teachings and to prevent people from preaching and teaching or talking about God's word in areas of sexuality is a group called Born Perfect. This is off Born Perfect's webpage, right on their primary page. This is their purpose, to end conversion therapy and to ensure, listen up folks, to ensure that every child knows they are born perfect. Every child is born perfect in this way. What a wicked teaching. They say this, we are conversion therapy survivors and legal experts working together to draft, introduce, and pass legislation, spread awareness through public education, media, and advocacy, empower conversion therapy survivors and their families. People of God, no one is born perfect. Sin is in the heart of all of us, 
we cannot allow such lies to be perpetrated throughout our culture. By the way, I want to come back briefly, and we're going to get to God's Word here because I want us to understand the context of what we're trying to address here as we look at God's Word. The Maryland Code of Health and Occupations. Notice how often health comes up into constraining truth, constraining speech. But it says this, and this was effective October 2018. It passed the legislation, the legislature um, in May of 2018. And actually, just this last summer in June, our courts here in Maryland upheld the legality of this. But it says this, conversion therapy means a practice or treatment by a mental health, or listen up, a child care practitioner that seeks to change an individual's sexual orientation or gender identity. Conversion therapy <clears throat> includes, <clears throat> excuse me, any effort to change, now listen now, any effort to change the behavioral expression of an individual's sexual orientation, change gender expression, or eliminate or reduce sexual or romantic attractions or feelings towards individuals of the same gender. This is in the Maryland law, people. We need to wake up. <clears throat> and of course, it does say conversion therapy does not include a practice by a mental health or child care practitioner that, one, provides acceptance, support, and understanding, or the facilitation of coping, social support, and identity exploration identity exploration and development including sexual orientation neutral interventions to prevent or address unlawful conduct or unsafe sexual practices it does not seek to change sexual orientation or gender identity now it even goes beyond that and says <clears throat> it defines what is a mental health or child care practitioner a practitioner licensed or certified under Title 14, 17, 18, 19, or Title 20 of this article. <clears throat> and it says this, any other practitioner licensed or certified under this article who is authorized to provide counseling by the practitioner's licensing or certifying board. People of God, the government is setting up rules for what we cannot say and what God's Word says we must do and it is saying no be careful if the government certifies it and it's a bunch of folks that are God haters at the very least we need to have cautionary flags in this case we gotta be waving it off this is wicked and of course it says conversion therapy with a minor is prohibited now it's very important Right now, it's only going to be considered unprofessional conduct and subject to discipline by these certifying boards. And that is a problem. But if you go down a little bit farther in this legislation, it says use of state funds. No state funds may be used for the purpose of conducting or referring to an individual to receive conversion therapy providing health coverage for conversion therapy, or providing a grant to or contracting with any entity 
that conducts or refers an individual to receive conversion therapy. This is, this is terrible. People of God, don't be looking for the government to give you vouchers for your kid's education. When they give you money, they want to control what you say and what you do. Am I right? Finally, here's what you have to know. And this is how all the laws work. It's always about the rules that the agencies promulgate, the regulations that they create. The final piece of this legislation that they sign and is in Maryland law and in 18 other states in the United States says the department, this is the health department, shall adopt regulations necessary to implement this section. They've suddenly opened the door for somebody sitting in an office to write all kinds of rules about what this means and how it's implemented. Beware of allowing the unbeliever to dictate what is truth. Now again, born perfect, they say this about conversion therapy, is not just electroshock or extreme methods, things that were developed in the 40s and 50s, but they tried to do all kinds of crazy things, trying to solve the problem of sin through other means, or these extreme methods. Most conversion therapy, listen to this, is just regular talk therapy that is pressuring an LBGBTQ plus person to change who they are. That is to say, they don't want people to say anything to restrict sin in someone's life. Now our text today, you're probably saying, whew, good, he's finally coming to the scriptures. But sometimes we have to set the stage, folks, so we know what it is we're dealing with. Why are we talking about this? We're going to turn to God's Word. We're going to cover a lot of Scripture here today. It's God's Word speaking to these issues. Our primary text, our base text, really it's the lens text to set this all up, is Proverbs chapter 30, verses 2 through 9. Why did I skip verse 1? It's merely the introduction that says these are... The, this is the proverb of this particular king. But it says this, beginning of verse 2. Surely I am more stupid than any man, and do not have the understanding of a man. I neither learned wisdom, nor have knowledge of the Holy One. Who has ascended into heaven, or descended? Who has gathered the winds into his fists? Who has bound the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name, if you know? Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Two things I request of you. Remove falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal 
and profane the name of my God. Now here in this passage, he starts out by saying he's a stupid man. And he doesn't even have the understanding of a man. And I would argue that that is a clear and wise statement. Because outside of the transformational work of God in your life and renewing your mind and being instructed by God's word, that is what a man is supposed to be, created by God. But outside of God and his word, we are stupid. We don't have understanding. What is he doing here? He says, I neither learned wisdom nor have knowledge of the Holy One. <clears throat> it is humility and confession. We need to recognize that when we have brought in other ideas outside of God's Word to deal with things, we are wrong. And we need humility. And we need to confess it. And he says, who has ascended into heaven? That question is, did you ascend into heaven? Man attempts this. This is what psychiatry, psychology, humanism is all about. Man is God. Man, through his own reason and thought, is able to solve all these issues. Man attempts to ascend to heaven. And then he asks the question of, or descended. Well, who descended from heaven? Jesus Christ did. He is the one that is going to bring the answers. Who has gathered the wind in his fists? He's talking about sovereignty and creation. Who has bound up the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What does that mean? In the creational language, establishing the ends of the earth is not just creational talk or sovereignty talk, but it is he has defined all things. What is his name? His name is Yahweh. And what is his son's name? It is Jesus. Remember this. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield. That is praise God. He's a shield. His word protects us for those who put their trust in him. And then there's this warning. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Today, to call someone a liar, they can't believe it. It doesn't matter what the facts are. You can have video that shows that they did a particular act. You can have a recording where you can see and hear exactly what they said, and you can have all kinds of facts that prove that it's lying, and they're astounded that you're questioning them. But God does. God's word is the truth, and he defines what is lying. And he says this, I request two things of you. Don't deprive it to me before I die. Remove falsehood from me and lies far from me. Again, I'm just trying to set us up here to be thinking properly. But there's this warning. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Why? Because it is a distraction. Lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Who is Yahweh? Who is God? That is what is happening around us. And what happens, it says, or lest I be poor and steal, and it isn't just poor or steal so that I can eat. It's poor or steal ideas, steal who is God and who defines things, and by doing that, profane the name 
of my God. Quickly, let's look at what God's word has to say on these things so that we are ready and prepared to be obedient to God. Number one, God's word is true. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and he, and will he not do? God speaks the truth. Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Do we, as the people of God, believe God's word? Are we walking in obedience to it? Titus 1.1 says this, Paul, a bondservant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledgement of the truth, with accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. Again, creational talk, truth talk, he cannot lie, but has in due time manifested his word through preaching, which was committed to me, according to the commandment of our God and Savior. God's word is coming, it's preached, it's taught. We cannot stop it. We must tell the truth. I'm just going to tell you this, as I've prayed about this and worked through these things this week, I've been humbled in thinking about how important it is to tell you the truth, not to give you what itching ears want to hear, not to tell you things that make you feel good. There are lots of churches that are telling people things just to try, try to make them feel good and cope, trying to give them tools. No, we must teach and speak in humility God's truth. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for what? Doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, that is mature, thoroughly equipped for every good work. John 14.6 this, says this, <clears throat> Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He did not say, I am a way, a truth, and a kind of life that you can live, but no, that article, the, is the only. So we should read it this way. I am the only way, the only truth, and the only life. We cannot be reconciled to God. Our sins cannot be forgiven. We cannot be made right through any other way but through Christ Jesus. It is important that Satan is moving about and those that are God-haters are moving about and they are simply taking Satan's first question into play. Hath God indeed said? Genesis 3.1 says this, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now the question of the tree of the garden is less important than the question, Has God indeed said? That is, that is the truth of it all. Are we submitting ourselves to God's word, or are we submitting ourselves to warm, fuzzy feelings? Are we looking at people and saying to love them is to accept them simply as they are, no matter how wicked the sin in their life, or in your own life, or in the life of your spouses, or children, or your family members? 
Too often we are cowards with our family members. Now, we seem to think that we must bludgeon them with the truth. That is not so. But we are to speak truth with love and firmly and hold the line calmly, peaceably, and truthfully. Consider the dialogue between Jesus and Pilate during Jesus' trial. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? By the way, I want to pause and point this out because it keeps popping up. Look at what the issue was according to Pilate. Is he a king? Who is ruling? Is it going to be Jesus? Is it going to be Pilate? Is it going to be Herod? Is it going to be the chief priest? Is it going to be Caesar? Because there's all these other uh, authoritative groups out there that want to be king over everything. But the truth is, that is what Pilate was worried about. Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And what does Pilate respond with? What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. What happens when truth is questioned or forgotten. In the case of Jesus, he knows that there's nothing wrong with Jesus. He actually recognizes what's going on, and he still says, I find no fault in him. But he sets aside the truth blatantly and did evil in the sight of the Lord. Judges 21-25 says, In those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That is what the anarchist wants. That is what Satan wants, for every person to be their own God and to do what is right in their own eyes. Psalm 14 says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. They have all turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none who does good. No, not one. Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call on the Lord? There they are in great fear, for God is with the generation of the righteous. You shame the counsel of the poor, but the Lord is his refuge." Now, if you go back to this group we talked about at the beginning, Born Perfect, Psalm 14, and of course in Romans where it quotes this section, in Romans 3, that kind of pretty much puts that aside. God's Word declares what is true. And of course, here is what is important in this passage. Verse 7, Oh, that the salvation of Israel would come out of Zion when the Lord brings back the captivity of his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. Praise God that salvation has come through Jesus. We are not stuck in this place of sin. He doesn't simply say, you're dirty and rotten, but he says, here is the truth, here is the way of salvation, here is the way to be reconciled to God. Now what are we driving at here? Male and female, he created them. This week, 
Some of you may know this person or at least heard him speak, but Pastor Joe Boot from Canada, he's a, he's a pastor up there, known about him for quite a while, really smart guy, really articulate. But on this subject, he said this this week, and I thought it was a very helpful insight. Think of this, people, and we heard this even in some of our readings today. The Bible begins with a wedding. God describes his relationship with Israel as a marriage. God reveals himself as God the Father and the Son. He is using familial language. Jesus' first miracle was at a wedding. His relationship with his church is described as a marriage. And all of history ends with the marriage supper of the Lamb. So, if you do not understand marriage, you miss the cosmological key to the universe. It is central to the gospel. That is, marriage is central to the gospel. If we don't understand what God says about marriage, we miss understanding what the world is about and what God is doing. Genesis 1.27 said, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. There is no ambiguity here. It is crystal clear. First of all, that God is made in his image, excuse me, that man is made in God's image, and this is important. Every life has meaning because every life, every person is made in the image of God. We, all people, including the unborn, have value to God. And of course, he made them male and female. Ephesians 5.22 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the, the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. These terms are clear in the Greek. Men are husbands and wives are women. God established this truth from the very beginning, and to change God's created sexual order is a perversion of his truth. There is, in fact, just two genders. Now we must remember this, there is just one ethic. Remember what it said when we read earlier in 2 Timothy 3.16, All scripture 
is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. We must submit ourselves to God's holy word, the Bible. Matthew 19, 4 says this, And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then there are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, let no man separate. Now this is important. People of God, let us hear God's word. Leviticus 18.22 You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Nor shall you mate with any animal or defile yourself with it. Nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is a perversion. Do not defile yourselves with any of these things. For by all these things the nations are defiled, which I am casting out before you. For the land is defiled. Therefore I visit the punishment of its iniquity upon it. And the land vomits out its inhabitants. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments and shall not commit any of these abominations, either any of your own nation or any stranger who dwells among you. For all these abominations the men of the land have done who were before you, and thus the land is defiled. Lest the land vomit you out. Also when you defile it as it vomited out the nations that were before you. For whoever commits any of these abominations, the persons who commit them shall be cut off from among their people. Therefore, you shall keep my ordinance, so that you do not commit any of these abominable customs which were committed before you, and that you do not defile yourselves by them. I am Yahweh your God. You want to know why the American empire is crumbling? right here because the church the people of God have embraced lies again let us consider Leviticus 20:13. if a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman both of them have committed an abomination they shall surely be put to death their blood shall be upon them in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 9 through 11 do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God do not be deceived now there's a list here and it includes all kinds of things. We're not being exclusionary here. All sinners who are not reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, these people, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And, here's this important, and such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. It is important for us to remember that there is both forgiveness and deliverance from sin in Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 begins with this, But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not made for the righteous person, but for the lawless and the insubordinate, for the ungodly and for sinners, for the unholy and the profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, 
And if there are any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which was committed to my trust. Again, Romans chapter 1 verses 20 through 32. And you might be saying, he keeps reading. I'm trying to tell you, this is what God's word says on these things. Let us not shy away from it. Romans chapter 1 beginning with verse 20. For since the creation of the world, His, that is God's, invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His external power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and were foolish, and their hearts were darkened, you want to know why people can't understand the truth and are saying crazy things and doing crazy things? Because they have rejected God, their thoughts are futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing, this is important, professing to be wise. We've been educated, we have PhDs, we are teaching at the universities, we are the certified people of the government. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another. Men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. What do you see? They don't want to retain God in their knowledge. No, man can fix himself. Man can take care of things. Man's going to solve all things. No, that is not so. It says this, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, and being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only to do the same, but also to approve of those who practice them. And our government has been saying, we must give approval. No, hold the line, church. Hold the line, people of God. Why are we this way? The church has been retreating on God and Jesus in our part of the world for more than a hundred years and we just keep stepping back and stepping back and stepping back hold the line of God's truth so having said all this what should we do number one we should confess James 5:16 says confess your trespasses to one another pray for one another that you may be healed the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much if we're in sin, confess it, right? Pray. We need to be praying with people, talking to them with them, dealing with them when their challenges and their problems and the sins in their life. And as we do that, 
they may be healed. 1 John 1, 9, we need to remember this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confess. Submit ourselves to God's word. Second, we need to worship rightly the way that God has prescribed, not in our own way. We keep talking about this, but the high places, right? We go to church, we have our way of church, but we're not going to worship in God's way, the way the word of God lays out. We're worshiping God in our own thoughts. Remember this, Deuteronomy 12:1. These are the statutes and the judgments which you shall be careful to observe in the land which the Lord your God, of your God, the God of your fathers, is giving you to possess all the days you live on the earth. You shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations which you dispose serve their gods, on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. And you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, and burn their wooden images with fire. You shall cut down the carved images of their gods and destroy their names from that place. You shall not worship the Lord your God with such things. But you shall seek the place where your Lord, the Lord your God chooses out of all your tribes to put his name for his dwelling place. And there you shall go, and there you shall take your burnt offerings and your sacrifices and your tithes and the heave offerings of your hand, your vowed offerings, your freewill offerings, the firstborn of your herds and flocks. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice in all, in all to which you have put your hand. You shall, you and your households, in which the Lord your God has blessed you. In verse 8, closing out this passage, you shall not at all do as we are doing here today. Every man doing what is right in his own eyes. Finally, we need to pray. Two, things, two last points to close this off. We need to pray. Pray that God would open the eyes of the churches, the leaders and the politicians, and all others in our community. I pointed this out last week, but in Deuteronomy 28, verse 28, the Lord will strike you with a madness and a blindness and a confusion of heart. And you shall grope at noonday as, blind, as a blind man gropes in the darkness. You shall not prosper in your ways. You shall, not only, you shall not be only oppressed and plundered continually, and no one shall save you. And this is the point. They're blinded. Pray that God rips the veil of blindness off their eyes. And finally, we need to make disciples. Matthew 28 is completing the dominion mandate, teaching them all I have commanded. So you go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded, all that is in God's Word. And we should do this with our families, with our communities, our church, the nations. We must be intentionally and purposely involved with our families, our communities, our church, and politics because Jesus is Lord. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father and our God, through whom all blessings come, we come before you and ask you to help us to submit ourselves to your word, the truth of it, and what it means for what we are to do. Help us this day to be your faithful servants. In Jesus' name, amen.